course, we are back for another episode of Hard Not Life, dedicated to the new core of hip-hop today, the business, the brand, and the balance between authenticity and entertainment. Of course, we are recording in one of the most authentic spots in New York City. Authentic! For aesthetic, home of classic material in New York, on Grand Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Shout out to the OG Carlos for allowing us to be here today. What, what? Hard Night Life breaks down the deals and the real, yep. the bars and the beef. Yep. Hard Night Life connects echoes of the past with news of the present, with predictions of the future. Anything we bring up here is up for discussion and debate. And that's what matters here. We are a gang that cares so much about this culture. I think we should introduce ourselves. <laughs> I'm Saul Goodman, the Lion of Bed-Stuy, your host and your moderator. But my co-host like to introduce himself. I'm DK Marco, New Jersey's juggernaut. Yeah. Yo, if you find one of my old copies of Invincible in your girl's house, just mail it back to me, man. I'll give you my P.O. box. All right. Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's, a, that's your PSA. Okay. <laughs> Word. The most talented man in New York City is, well, New York, the world. He's back with us after taking a, a few. Yeah, the world, you heard me, nigga. I ain't stutter this time. But <laughs> he's back after traveling around the world doing doing simply dope shit. My <laughs> homeboy, Modern Marvel, was good. Uh. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, a, a great man, unfortunately, passed away this year on November 12th. Shout out to... One of my personal heroes, I'm sure the King Marco can also attest to how important Stan Lee was in his life. And according to Dallas Penn, he's triple OG status. Passed away. Triple OG. Triple OG Stan Lee. What you know about that? I don't know if triple OG is enough, man. He's been changing worlds since before my grandparents were born. Literally changing worlds. Literally. I will say my man was out here in his 90s, still still being in movies, still making them them nice cameos. I heard that, you know, he got sick like last year in 2017. Uh And like Marvel thinking far ahead and understanding that, you know, death is a part of life, had him film a whole bunch of cameo scenes in different outfits and different scenarios just so they can have enough content to include him well after he he unfortunately had to leave us i'm okay with that but now it's just gonna be kind of weird you know like it's one thing if you couldn't show up for like a production but now it's just weird like you're gonna look on the screen and if it's if in two years we're still seeing stanley cameos or in three years we're still seeing stanley cameos then i'm just like this is just this just feels awkward this is like uh if they tried to uh this is like in star wars when they just like basically hologrammed the old characters that had passed away to be in um the new star wars movie <laughs> yeah. to be in the like the solo movie yeah beyond all that stanley is a legend uh one of the founders of marvel comics one of the creators of all your favorite fucking comic book characters spider-man the hulk just to name two there are nine million in the trillion thousand uh and you know, helped help build 
comic books into what they are today as a whole. Did a little dirt, had some disputes along the way, but overall, I think he definitely did more good than did ill out here. I would, I would, I would definitely agree. He was a creator, but he was also an astute businessman. And yeah, you know, you're gonna crack a few eggs to, to make that omelet. But he had a vision. He had a vision for you know since the '80s, yes. trying to bring the comic books that he kind of helped create. Shout out to Jack Kirby, who was really the the brains behind a lot of uh, Marvel's greatest. Don't characters. forget Steve Ditko. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, who brought? I believe did um, Ditko bring the cosmic world to life or was that Kirby as well um, was it Kirby that left for DC and started the whole um, the fourth world the fourth world with dark side uh, and apocalypse and oh did it was that Ditko and then he came back and made Thanos I'm gonna say it was Ditko but I'm gonna double check it to make sure we don't get crushed. Yo, by the get crushed bodies. Yeah, for real. Um, just, just look up Thanos. Well, interesting. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> it might have been Jim Starling. Uh, but <laughs> whoops. But there's an expansive. There's to to clean it up. It's an expansive universe um, with an even more expansive publication history. But Stan Lee was definitely the champion oh. of bringing it. You're thinking of Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby was the person that created the first, the fourth world saga, which brought in the new gods in DC. Okay, yeah. But he definitely came back and applied that, and that's where I thought that's where Thanos came from. But he, he's the one that brought it to life. Um, on on in the on TV with that crazy Fantastic Four TV show. That was a mess, but still better than the version that had Michael B. Jordan playing uh, Human Torch. Bro, you what you you're, you're skipping over like the old school Marvel cartoons. Like, remember when Spart- Spider Man has Amazing Friends and like Stan Lee was the narrator. I'm, I'm not talking. And really. like, and then like you go all you go back back with the old old Fantastic Four cartoon. I wasn't talking about the animated series. Oh, I was talking okay. about the live action. He wanted okay. to really bring it to life. I, I uh, and now I'm not even bringing up really, you know, DC did it as well with the Batman series first with uh, Adam West. But we got really a uh, comic book geekish now. But a lot of people either don't know or don't realize that hip hop has an extensive, extensive relationship, a very in-depth relationship with with comic book a lot of pioneers honestly and in rap were big comic book heads and quite frankly hip-hop or even just urban life was infatuated with um with comic comic books books long before you saw it in in the music and in the culture dmc actually said I was into comics before hip-hop even came over the bridge to touch me. And King of Rap, I didn't say, I'm DMC, I can rap. I say, I'm DMC, I can draw. You've got to think, when did hip-hop come? Hip-hop came in the early 70s. 
And at the same time, you had Bruce Lee, who was a motherfucking hero in comic books. And all of that existed for all of us who became those early and current hip-hop artists. It was a part of our lifestyle. I mean, even when you go back to Pioneers and a game like DJ Clark Kent, hint, hint, and when Grandmaster Flash, like, naming themselves after comic book characters, like, there's always been a relationship between hip-hop and comic books. Because if you think about it, a lot, of, a lot of the cats that were creating art back then, they would look for inspiration and they would also, like, look for other ways to express themselves that weren't necessarily getting into trouble. So a lot of that, if you're not if you're not out there in the streets doing super street stuff, you looking in the hobbies and doing different things. And a lot of that for people was reading comic books and getting lost into these stories which were like burgeoning in the seventies and the eighties when comic books were in their quote unquote golden age. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see like the cor- the correlation, especially in hip hop which is so much about braggadocio and being larger than life. And you can you can see it, all these people that are just trying to like create these personas and taking inspiration from like these these cartoon and comic book characters that are also larger than life and like patent patterning themselves after that, you know? Yeah, I guess we can talk a little bit more in detail about some of these these artists who have uh, adopted those personas. I think the most uh, well, one of the more obvious ones besides Clark Kent would probably be Jean Grey as well. MF Doom. MF Doom. MF Doom was always the first person that came to mind because it's yeah. just like in the, and then went by Victor Vaughn. Yeah. Too when he when he was doing other stuff, other projects. Man, that's always that's always like super 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 apparent. Just other rappers, Big Pun. Yeah. After. I don't know if anybody ever realized that Big Pun was a play on The Punisher. Word is something that like somebody has to always. Like you get reminded of him, it's like yeah, it makes sense. David Banner, yeah. uh, took his name from Bruce Banner. Which, do you know the story behind that though? I do not. The reason why Bruce Banner wasn't called Bruce Banner in the old show where like that Lou Ferrigno be the Hulk. Yeah. Uh, they didn't call him Bruce Banner because the executives thought Bruce sounded too gay. So like that's why in the story his name is David Banner, on the TV show, and that's where David Banner got the name from. First of all, <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah. Never knew that. Second, I, I forgot to mention it earlier, but yeah, the the Hulk TV show was iconic, and I cannot remember any of the, the scenes the when scenes. he was not the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Lou Ferrigno is the legend, you know, in that he's done a, exactly. he did a uh, cameo in the the Hulk movie that was starring Edward Norton. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. Which I thought they was had, a great they movie. Had to get they people, had to get are, people are fucking haters, but I thought that was a great movie. Yeah, the start, but the star of the show was fucking Bill Bixby. Yeah, yeah. Bill uh, motherfucking Bixby. Others, obviously, Ghostface Killer, aka Tone Starks, who yeah. was actually a, who uh, he did a cameo in the first Iron Man, or was it the second Iron Man? Ghostface. Go. Oh no, his music video. What, yes, it was the first one because, damn, why am I missing forgetting everybody? Who's the one that be like, hey, man? Oh, uh, 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 Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard Terrence was Howell. in it. And so they're on the they're, they're private jet. This is before he was uh, kidnapped. Ah. Uh. Yes. I didn't realize that method. I didn't, well, I didn't know his nickname was Johnny Blaze. Word? Yeah. Says that shit all the time. Johnny Blaze ain't a damn thing changed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't realize. And in Triumph, he's like, transform into the Ghost Rider. And so, he's also makes a cameo in Luke Cage. 
the super famous cameo on Luke Cage. Yes, yes, he does. But it was a, the scene itself was a little heavy handed. Like I get it. This is yeah. This is for black people. <laughs> I get it. It wasn't but. even yo. You know, it wasn't even. It was, oh, this is for the black people. It was literally just like what I liked about it was like, oh shit, you're Luke Cage. It was like, oh shit, you're Method Man. And they were just geeked out about meeting each other. He was like, yo, can we, can we switch hoodies? That's the part I was like, yo, Michael Coulter is like, got like 60 pounds on you. <laughs> then again, apparently everybody in Wu-Tang is like six foot two yeah, and shit. Um, Michael, smack fire. Mike Coulter is my height, maybe six one. Yeah. So I'm, he's not that big, you know. I think he just is in shows with smaller people. I'm pretty sure the dude that plays Daredevil and the dude that plays Iron Fist are like five, six niggas. Well, yeah, but that's that's more believable. They, they, they <laughs> uh, I didn't also realize that Ja Rule's nickname was Loki, which would probably make 50 Cent Thor. We don't acknowledge Ja Rule. Since when? I don't know. Ja I don't acknowledge Ja Rule. Ja Rule is a god of rap. And that's a fact. That is so not a fact. He is. Yes, he is. That is not a thing. Yo, if there no, was no, you know, you know what we're not no going to ja- do? What? If there was no Ja Rule, what? There might not be what? a Drake. The f- there might not what? be a Drake. Yo. 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 You know what we're going to do? This is, you call. This is a, this is a later. on time. This is a later episode. Is Ja Rule Because what we're rap? not going to do. Is Ja Rule What we're not going to do is talk. We're Which, not gonna, what we're not going to do is allow any slander on it here. Ja Rule made his money and had an impact on hip hop. What you won't do is call him a rap. He's a rap god. God. He's a rap god. He's a rap god. And I, I'm not going to deal with your 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 disrespect. Ja Rule's like if you like minimize DMX and took away all his street cred, and then you'd be had, left with Ja Rule. And had hit after hit after hit after hit after hit, and then inspired Fifty Cent to do love songs. And basically paved the way for a uh, Drake, no. for a for a Kanye West, for a ja Kanye Rule, West yo, and a Drake yo, to make sing song music. Yo, Ja Rule ain't paved the way for nothing unless he had a construction job in his lean years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. please, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold it down. Ja Rule paved the way for simp rap. Amen. Amen. First off. Amen. I don't know. I'm kind of triggered by the term simp rap, but we'll we'll get past that. But <laughs> but no, no. You know what people, I mean. Rappers, people, croon, I know exactly rappers what you mean. Crooning on the track. Rap, yeah. Rappers crooning to women. That's cool. But are we are we not remembering that like Nate Dogg was a thing? No, he wasn't singing for women, exactly. but he exactly. was still singing no, on the track. No, but but Ja Rule well, was singing. There's a whole conversation about that. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You out. This is, I know you, so it's not like I won't shoot you in the head. But like dudes that say alpha male and beta male felt like they should probably get shot in the head and dragged out and tortured. But that's just me. But that's a whole other that conversation. You. That is you. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Let's get back. Why are we talking let's about Ja Rule? Let's, let's get back to this conversation. Let's talk about Ja Rule right now. So yeah, but we're here to talk about comic books and hip hop, and who you can see the uh, the effects of comic books and hip hop from hip hop's inception uh, presently, and it's definitely going to be even bigger in the future. Like recently, you had TDE executive produce the soundtrack to a hip hop movie in the form of Black Panther, you know, and that's something that like if you were to say that when the first X Men movie came out, you'd be like, yo, that's kind of bugged out. You wouldn't, you couldn't even see that. Wait, am I even misspeaking? Didn't RZA, didn't RZA executive produce the Blade soundtrack? 
Or did I made that up? Uh, uh, he definitely did. He, Afro, did Afro he definitely Samurai. scored Afro yeah. Samurai. But even but even beyond that, man, it's like you have all these rappers that are that name themselves after the characters. Uh, you have the hip hop variants that Marvel started doing in 2015, which is I have to um, salute Marvel for because they didn't have to do that. They used the Run the Jewels logo for one of Black Panthers uh, covers, variant yeah. covers. Well, you well you know so like low key Run the Jewels is the origin for them doing a hip hop cover run. So originally in 2015, the the director of Marvel at the time, a- Axel Alonso, his son was really into Run the Jewels, and Run the Jewels was doing a promotion called Tag the Jewels, where they were just getting people to do murals all over the place of like the Run the Jewels uh, symbols. And so Axel was like, "Yo, let's do let's do two covers." They did Howard the Duck and Rocket Raccoon number two, and they did Deadpool number 45 in 2015. Those were those were the Run the Jewels covers. Marvel saw how. Uh, how well those covers did. Then they started doing a series in 2015, and they had, what is it? Last count or last thing I saw was maybe like 60 different uh, hip hop covers where they were like reinterpreting uh, famous uh, covers of albums with like comic book characters. The one, the one of the smaller ones that people probably didn't notice, but I loved was like they did a, a artist that was on Fool's Gold at the time when I was working there. His name was Hunnids. He had a CD cover. And they did it for Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, they did it for uh, Star Lord, and it was just—it was super iced out, man. But I think all of this comes back to creativity, and then just creativity, storytelling, and uh, finding uh, finding happiness in a niche that other people don't um, that don't find. Because like, if you're in a hip hop, especially if you're creating hip hop, you're trying to find a creative outlet. Um, you're trying to, in some ways, if you really care about lyrics, you're trying to tell a story. Even if you're not really in the lyrics, you're still trying to emote and express like a thought, a feeling, a story of some sort. And like, if you're making the music, there are less people that make music than people that exist. And there are less people that find music important than people that even consume music, you know? So it makes sense that these two worlds would collide because it's a bunch of outsiders trying to find meaning and spread whatever meaning and expression and emotion that they have. So that's why always this clear connection between hip hop and comics and and Marvel and hip hop in particular, man. Like, uh, I mean, the stories that they tell, because there's always a difference. Like people say that you're a Marvel person, you're a DC person. And a lot of that comes from like the DC superheroes. A lot of them were like almost God. They were modeled after Greek gods. They had absolute powers to do everything. And they were, they seem they were created a little bit before, uh, more mainstream, a little bit before the Marvel comics were. Marvel comics were a bit more grimier. Like, they all their heroes had flaws. All their heroes were like messed up. Even Wolverine and Peter Parker, are, like their two biggest, their two biggest characters. And Wolverine is like a homicidal maniac that's barely on the edge of humanity. And that's his story is just being like, where, how can I have my humanity while also like having this penchant for killing people? And Peter Parker is like, how can I survive with my moral code when everything against me is telling me to not be not have my morals? And I could be way more successful than I am right now. And I'm not because of like the way I choose to live my life and the fact that I keep feeling like I have to help other people before I help myself. And so, like, that's why people gravitate to a Marvel and you can see it reverberating in hip-hop as a culture that was really actually beautiful (laughs) that was actually pretty beautiful but now that you bring up the difference between marvel and dc off the top of my head i can't 
remember if DC has actually paid the same amount of attention to hip hop as Marvel. I think that Marvel has recognized, if only in their in their um, their cinematic universe, has recognized the impact that hip hop has had in furthering a lot of their their uh, stories. But is there really? I, I just tried to Google it, and I just can't see if DC actually cares. So it, it depends on how you look at it, right? So when you when you look at Marvel, ostensibly they have been more into hip hop, but that's because like that that leads to a couple different things. So like uh, Warner Brother owns DC, whereas Marvel for the most part was self-contained up until it sold itself to Disney. So they had a bit more uh, autonomy. But even then, um, people will feel like Marvel's connection to hip hop was debatable because even when the covers came out, a lot of people were like, yo, it's cool that you're doing these hip hop covers, but how many of the artists you chose to do these are black? And in the first run of like 20 or so, 20, 30 covers, there was only one black artist. As time went on, they tried to change that. And they only had, they didn't have any black writers at the time either. So people were just like, yo, you're trying to profit off like the art that we make, but are you really making this art for us? And what you can see is that Marvel's characters almost to their detriment got more diverse recently with like Miles Morales with uh Riri which became Iron Man she became Iron Man for a while Miss America who's Latina and also gay Miss Marvel who's um Muslim Muslim Muslim. from Jersey City and just like how they would try to herald the their women their their women and then they, they Marvel has like a lot of gay characters they had a gay wedding uh, to be like on a front page. Sorry, Ice on Man cover. came out. Well, uh, alternate. So wait, of don't became. don't get me started on Ice Man. That's a whole nother subject, and I'm not on the right side of history with that one. But everything else. I mean, when you think about <laughs> it, it kind of makes sense. I'm just, he cracks I'm just, a lot of jokes. He's very he's very uh, nah. personable. No, because then then you're gonna be like all of his relationships fall apart for lack of intimacy, not because you know he's a piece of shit like Logan. Okay, here's sorry, sorry. Here's my Iceman argument, and there's an old podcast of the old podcast that I used to do. Enough said. Shout to my homies. Wish we still did did the podcast, but we don't. But anyway, there's an old podcast where I I say the exact wrong thing, and I was on the wrong side of history. I've rethought it, and this is how I feel about it. I have no problem with there being characters specifically for marginalized communities i have an issue when you retcon a character when you retcon a character so much and try to rewrite their entire history it's kind of like when cats are like when though captain america was like hail hydra and people like flipped the fuck out and it was on like the news news like the Iceman thing i was just like why are you shoehorning this in now when it's never been canon and then you could have just took the easy out and been like all right, so Iceman that came from the past is like, nah, I'm gay. Iceman in the present is like, no, I'm not gay. And they had a long, and it was like a long-standing thing where they were just talking about it. I guess, I guess that would also be kind of fucked up because they're supposed to be the same person. And if you're arguing that uh, being a member of the LGBTQ community is not a choice, then one of them is lying to themselves. So I guess you can't really put that out there. But I just felt like it would lead to better tension if the older one that we've had for a while has been straight and the other one was gay but 
I guess I can't really do that if I want to be on the right side. Fuck. Anyway, I just had an issue with it because I felt like they were going back and changing a, a long-standing history of a character that with they didn't his have fa- to. With all his failed relationships. And he looks as happy as he can be with the new pyro. <laughs> but. <laughs> that's fine. Yo, that's fine. Like, then the other thing is, too, is just like, I realize that on certain levels with certain characters, I am too invested so i get mad when they make small changes so they another example of this and this is not even what we're talking about fuck it um uh nova was originally a white dude from like staten island or long island right and then they switched it and made nova they they had a new note they killed that dude gave him made a new nova and it was a spanish dude right and a spanish kid and i should be like yo cool diversity we gotta win but I was very invested in the original Nova, and the way they wrote him out was bullshit. And the way they wrote the new kid in, like, they put him on TV first, and on TV, he was trash as shit. And then, like, he had his comic book, and I was just like, yo, I'm not accepting this new character when I've spent the last three years getting invested in this other character. So, fuck y'all. But Richard Wright is back, by the way. Yeah, he is. Okay. You, you, you're right. But, like... He's back. I'm, I'm over it. Okay, yes. And I'm you sound like a you sound game. like a comics gate head right now. Yo, I'm just gonna say. Yo. I'm just gonna throw it out there. You, you sound like, like a comics. Ga- like Gamergate motherfucker. Or you sound like, like a comics gate. I'm just gonna say like I'm just gonna say I'm like I've grown and I know that now that I just need to get over it and understand that it's fiction and if I don't sound like you got over it. Huh? Don't sound like you got over it. <laughs> I'm just saying like I can grow. I can grow as a person. And don't I think still, you might have. I and I can I can say like yo like I kind of wish this this direction didn't happen in the storytelling but i'm not saying it as a referendum on these peoples and these marginalized communities that are being represented it's not like yo i don't like gay people that's why i don't like gay ice man it's like i've been very invested in this character for so long and you're changing an integral part of him it's it's okay but i guess i'm just like no, i was so I used to the okay. way my character was well because <laughs> i don't know if you're okay but I want to come back to a point because you said you introduced. They have introduced a lot of characters, and my qualms with with Marvel is that they didn't have a lot of actual people of color oh, yeah. actually writing these um, characters. Miss Marvel is actually written by a Muslim woman, which I understand. The vast majority of these characters, the Riri, the Miles uh, Morales, and even Jessica Jones, uh, and some of her interactions with Luke Cage were written, created, and written by Brian Michael Bendis. And I, I, I have issues with his storytelling already, but I also have an issue with. He said that, oh, I have like these black daughters, so I want them to have these characters uh, to represent them. And my thing is, well, yeah, create the characters, but also find writers to tell their stories because you look at what they're saying and it's clear it's almost it's 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 very uncomfortable for me sometimes because you have that you you know that this this white man that are writing these stories so i think that um, marvel might have dropped the ball on that as well i still salute them because at least they have made an effort uh where so, i don't see that effort being made by dc um so dc i feel like at one point dc tried but they're just it's just harder for them because they're steeped in so much more history for them to just change things and they're also just like Marvel and so many DC archetypes. have been around for the same amount of time. Yeah, but you got it. If anything, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby made the decision to actually make comic books to reflect the times if 
it was just a whole bunch of white but, folks with superpowers fighting against each other. They were still talking about what no, was going on th- in society. That's what I no, that's like that's what I mean though. So like the history and fuckery of like the Justice League is steeped in a lot of like white man white man shit. Um, whereas like Marvel out the gates, they were like, "I right, we're making X Men. X Men are gonna be a direct reflection of like the '60s and the struggle for civil rights." You know. Like they had all this shit in mind when they were like creating these characters, and that a lot of that wasn't happening when like the Flash and fucking Superman were being created back in the day. There was one issue of Superman where Lois Lane, where she was changed to a, a black woman, and she saw the treatment that black women were receiving because I forgot how she got changed, but yeah, she was changed into a black woman for the uh, for the issue. And then throughout the whole issue, she was just dealing with overt racism. And then, like, after she changed back, she was just like, yo, what the fuck? Like, this is what y'all are really going through. <laughs> and, like, that was a really early comic book. So I, I wouldn't say DC, like, completely disregarded, but yeah. Hmm. Okay. I'm just saying, I felt like in my interpretations that Marvel just usually did it better or, like, kind of did it first. Uh, the the thing that you were bringing up too was like is super interesting because it's like all right is it a question of you're not allowed to write a character that's outside your purview or is it there's such little representation in general in the industry that like if you are gonna really tell these stories right you really need to do some influx of diversity so if marvel had like if 30 percent of their staff were people of color and then they're telling these stories, it would look a bit different. And if a guy's just like, yo, I just want to create a character, I want the character to be this, like it's it might be a little bit better for my for Brian Michael Bendis to to create a character that out his purview. And also when they're in these meetings discussing like this is what's gonna happen, somebody would be there to be like, yo, that's cool, but that's not how that would happen. And so maybe that would alter his writing a little bit. It's the whole idea behind like you need a diverse writer's room, otherwise things are going to feel stilted and they're just not going to, they're not going to be correct. You know, mm-hmm. I, I get exactly what you're saying. Like, like one woman can be written by a man. It doesn't necessarily have to be written by a woman, but when you're creating this, like, are you getting input from people that are actually from that community to make sure that one, the story you're telling isn't fucked up. And two, when you're done telling your story, can you hand it off to somebody else that might be in a community? Hmm. And that's the, that's an issue that some of these companies like find themselves in. It's just like, they haven't done the work to find the talent because the talent's there. There's a bunch of amazing black creators and writers out there. Um, and I mean, they even had fucking Reginald Hudlin, Hudlin that was head of BET writing for a while. And that's why we got Ta-Nehisi Coates writing that uh, Black Panther run. And now writing for a minute. Uh, Captain America. And yeah. it's a really good, really good vibe. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, and it's even like, we just need these different voices to touch on these characters because you never know what you get. Like when Kevin Smith wrote Daredevil, of course, it's it's another white dude writing a white dude, but it's Kevin Smith has a completely different perspective from like the majority of like the comic book aficionado writers, and that's why he had him sitting in a fucking in a a community meeting, a meeting, just talking about like that's what I'm trying to do, and it just hits you with a different perspective, and I think that's the whole point of comic books, man. Like at this point, comic books have evolved to such a medium, fuck you, Bill Maher, that. They can tell so many different stories and tell it in-depthly and tell it passionately, tell it from so many different angles that, like, of course, it's going to be appealing. It's going to be super appealing to, like, artists 
Because what what the fuck do we call rap artists? We call them artists, right? Artists consume art and they make art. Comic books are a part of art, and it's an art that's super accessible. Like you can go buy a comic book a lot of different places, and it's not being it's not in a Met, it's not in a Guggenheim. You don't you know? You can access it. Yeah. Yep. I do also want to say fuck you, Bill Maher. I think the idea out here taking shots at Stan Lee after he passed away. Where the fuck was you when he was alive to fight back at your dumb ass? Sorry. I will say that the very fact that you had a cameo in Iron Man 3 kind of makes you a hypocrite. Mm. I think it's ridiculous that you would speak out um, for people appreciating Marvel and comic book movies uh, when you're a stand-up comedian that that, uh, is potentially regarded for socio-political commentary. So, yeah, it's a big fuck you to that. I kind of want to close out with, with again, saluting Stan Lee for his impact, uh, not only in our lives, but uh, for the culture of hip-hop and really for the world. Can I, can I shout out two things before we wrap okay. up? Yeah. All right, number one, I want to shout out Ed Piscor. Ed Piscor is the dude that did Hip Hop Family Tree, which is a comic book retelling of the origins of hip hop. And he's also doing X-Men Grand Design, which is a retelling of the history of the X-Men. And the second thing is that UMG is doing a cover reissue for three hip hop albums starting in December. They're going to reissue Get Rich or Die Trying, Liquid Swords, and Mama Said Knock You Out with their Marvel hip hop variant covers. And that's going to happen in December. So that's going to be fucking flames. So I just want to shout that out. So hip-hop, comics, all coming together. Shout out to DMC because he put out his own comic book. And shout out to Nicki Minaj who also had her own comic book. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Uh, And I also, I do want to shout out uh, Kwanzaa uh, and TS3 for um, their comic book Black, which is a um, title of what if only black people could have uh, superpowers, superpowers and how they... Um, Essentially, the government um, works to kill them, and the the organization of black superheroes tries to keep them under wraps. So there is no black genocide. It's very fascinating. Um, it's yes, fiction. <laughs> 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 maybe it's fiction. <laughs> maybe it's fiction. Um, but I do want to uh, read this quote before we we close out. It was it was written by Lee in 1968, um, right after. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King was uh, assassinated. Racism and bigotry are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costumed supervillains, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. This motherfucker was really old. (laughs) (laughs) This was the 60s too. Yeah. The only way to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them for the insidious evil they really are. Rest in peace to Stan Lee, the God, the other God besides Ja Rule. Uh, <laughs> Y'all not gonna get me started on this shit, yo. And that nigga's always on time for his court appearances. How about that? To wrap up. <laughs> to wrap up. Thank you so much for your time. We would enjoy and encourage you to uh, offer your own opinions on our social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at HKL podcasts definitely check out some of classic materials uh, newest wares on classic material ny.com and as always we know y'all gotta live this hard night life but we hope y'all make it look easy until next time peace